Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. All right, well, today we are, we are blessed. We are blessed to have with us a guest speaker coming all the way to the East Coast area from San Diego, California. But let me tell you, Dr. Marilyn Neubauer, she has traveled the world. She has been to Switzerland and Poland and Germany and Italy. She has done so much travel. She has ministered God's word all over this world. And she has been a part of our church for many, many years. I'm not sure what your sticker would say, but I think your sticker would have maybe starting with probably multiple digits, yes? So so, uh, Dr. Marilyn has been around for a long time with us as a partner uh, with this church, and uh, we just appreciate her ministry and what she's doing, and she's going to be able to share with us uh, today. But I just want to give you a quick background. She is a seasoned and gifted minister, travels the globe teaching the Word of God, but this is the good part with a focus on faith, on healing, and triumphant living. And church, we're in, a, we're in a series called Marked by Miracles, and we are learning all about living by faith, living with healing, and living with triumphant living within our lives. So it is a perfect time for her to come up here, a perfect time to be a part of this series that we're doing. So please welcome with me Dr. Marilyn Neubauer. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be back here. I have to say something about uh, the little sticker. (laughs) Um, Several years ago, my brother and I were talking to uh, some friends of my mother, and they were um, about 90 years old. And we were saying how much my mother loved being in their church. And we said, actually, our mother's been in your church for 50 years. And the two ladies kind of chuckled, and they said, oh, Your mother's a new kid on the block. We've been here for 80. (laughs) So they started when there was about 10. I thought, wow, that is is something. But it's so good to be back here in the church, and thank you for your warm welcome. And I also want to thank you so much because this church partners with Marilyn Newbar Ministries. So what I do, we co-labor together. So we share in all the miracles, we share in all the salvations. I lose track of how many salvations we get. And I, I just get so thrilled about the salvations. And, you know, I've noticed that, um, you know, when people don't get healed, sometimes if, if a loved one isn't healed, people get, they get upset with God. You know, they well, why didn't God heal the person? But, you know, I've never met one person who was never upset when their loved one didn't get saved. And yet salvation is the greatest miracle of all. And sometimes when I see people come forward and get saved, I tell the congregation, you are just witnessing the greatest miracle that person will ever have. They'll never have a miracle to supersede when their spirit just came alive to the spirit of the Lord God Almighty. That is awesome, awesome, awesome. So anyway, I want to just thank you for all the salvations and all that you do to, to um, enable me to go around the world. And I have been, I think I've lost track, I think I've been to six countries so far this year, including all around America. I was just recently in, in uh, Maine and Massachusetts, New York, 
Um, when I leave here, I'll be going to Rhode Island, and then I'll be going to Tennessee, Ohio, then Oklahoma, Kansas, Washington, California, I guess I'm ministering in California, <laughs> and then I'll be going back to the Czech Republic, to Amsterdam, to Slovakia, and Austria. So it's a full year, but it's, it's, just, it's an exciting year to see people's lives touched and changed. But just a few weeks ago when I was in Ireland, there was a young girl that came in the prayer line. She's 11 years old, and she had this a massive growth on the base of her neck that she'd had for years. And she came in the prayer line, and I prayed for her. On Monday morning, we got a phone call at the pastor's house. The tumor, that growth was completely gone. Completely gone, you know. And then I want to share a miracle that I had just a few months ago. I was um, just getting ready to go to minister at my, I have an outreach in California, which I'll share that with you in a moment. But uh, I was just getting ready to leave, and I, I went to the sink to get a drink, and, and I dropped something in my garbage disposal. So I reached down to pick it up, and I went to turn the light on at the same time. Wrong switch. And I hit the garbage disposal with my hand in the disposal. When I pulled my hand out, it cut right in the middle of my fingernail, and it was just hanging there and bleeding severely. And so I knew I needed to get to the emergency room, but the first thing I said was, I will not lose my finger. See, it matters what you say. It matters what you say. I said, no, I will not lose this finger. And uh, I got to the emergency room, and it was kind of funny because I do, I'm a, when I'm at home, I'm a volunteer chaplain with the police department. That In my spare time, I, I ride in police cars. <laughs> and um, so whenever we have to take someone to the emergency room, uh, there's a certain door that we go in. And so when I had my friend drop me off at the emergency door, I starts to run in the wrong door, thinking that, well, I'm not in my uniform, I can't go in that door, and the security guard said, oh, ma'am, you've got to come over this way, and I quickly, without thinking, I just quickly pulled out my police car, and I said, oh, I'm with the police department, and I'm really hurt, my, said, oh, come, 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 and he took me right up to the, not that I'm better than anybody else, but he just, you know, he just took me right up in, and they took me right away, and anyway, the doctor had to remove the fingernail from both, both sections of my fingernail there. And after they stitched me up and everything, he said, now that is going to really be throbbing by the time this numbness wears off. And he said, I'm going to give you the strongest medication I can give you, and it is a drug, and don't drive. And I said, oh, no, 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 I'll not be taking that. And he said, oh, you will need it. This is way beyond Tylenol. And I thought, no, I will have no pain. At that point, I didn't bother to tell him that because it would be, you know, not connecting with him. But when I got home, I said, you will not throb. You will not be in any pain. And by the time that numbness wore off till today, I had absolutely zero pain. My fingernail is almost completely grown back. And I keep saying, you will grow straight. You will grow straight. Not what the doctor said, crooked. No, you will grow straight. But no pain, not one ounce of pain. Praise God. He's good, you know, but it matters what you say. It matters what you said for Pastor Jim. He will live and not die. It really matters. Amen? So I just want to encourage you on on the words that we speak because it so matters. And, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth and it is alive. And so, Father, we just thank you for your word today. And, Lord, as we look into your word, we pray for a fresh anointing. 
We pray for utterance. We pray for fresh oil. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint each one of us, that anoint our ears to hear, our eyes to see. And, Lord, perhaps there's something that we didn't miss the time before, that we did miss the time before, that you would help us to see it this time. Help us to hear what maybe we missed the time before. And, Father, we truly give you all the praise and all the glory. And everyone said, Amen. I want to share a couple of pictures with you of this other outreach program that I have talking about uh, being a chaplain with the police department. Um, I've got some pictures, if we can just look at those even quickly. Uh, I named this organization as a nonprofit community development corporation in honor of uh, two police officers that we lost. Their name is uh, Tony Zepatella and Dan Bessett. And so I named it Dan and Tony's Life Center. And so this is Dan, 26 years old, lost his life. Uh, And the next picture is Tony. And they were both were 26 years old. They both had just had their first child. Uh, Tony died the week before Father's Day, and Dan died, died uh, the week before Christmas. And so I named this Dan and Tony's Life Center. And our purpose is to reach out to at-risk kids and to help them uncover hidden talents and to help them start making better choices in life because both of these murders were gang-related, deliberate gang-related murders. And so I thought we've got to change the lives of the kids in our nation. And it's not just um, gang kids. Today, all of our kids are at risk. And so it's just reaching out. And so some of the things that we do, and we also try to, uh, oh, we don't try, we do. We serve tacos or pizza. And then the police officers come over, and this is uh, Officer Mark, and um, he's not saved yet, but he just loves me. So I got him, I've got him covered. And at one time, one of the police officers who's not saved, he saw me in the police station. He says, Marilyn, you got to come out and ride with me. We got to get those souls. We got to get those souls. And I said, well, what about your soul? Well, we'll get me later. But he said, well, <laughs> but um, so anyway, next picture. So we teach kids. Uh, this was our very first class. We had nine. Now, this was all gang kids. We had 19 gang kids, and we teach them the sculpting. Uh, the sculpting teacher is the top sculptors in America, happens to live right next to um, the town where I live. And so the kids loved it. At first, they didn't want to take the sculpting class. They thought, oh, boring, boring. But the, pres- or the school principal, who happened to be the father of the police officer that was killed by one of the kids he knew... He said, whoever goes with Maryland gets a full credit, and every hand went up. So all 19 kids, here's one of the hoodie kids. Um, but they were doing an outstanding job. They had never done sculpting before. Look at that. Had never done it before. And they were uncovering a hidden talent. And so we had them for six weeks. Next picture. And then we also have a cooking class. This is Andy. Andy wants to be a chef. He's on par- he was on parole. Uh, he wants to be a chef, and so I tell the kids to tell me, if you can do one thing in life, what is the one thing that you would like to do? And then I want them to know we, as Dan and Tony's Life Center, are here to help them fulfill that dream. And so since Andy wants to be a, a professional chef, I want to take him to a culinary school and take him to a five-star restaurant behind the kitchen so he can see not McDonald's, but a five-star restaurant. I want him to see. He is a precious boy. Next picture. Uh, this is one of our, he's a professional art teacher. Actually, he used to be a pastor, um, but he is a professional art teacher. And he's teaching the kids how to draw. And when he shows them a picture, he tells them to turn the picture upside down. 
Because, see, some of the girls are saying yes, because the other part of your mind, your brain starts working, and you can draw so much more effectively. So he's teaching him, draw, look at it upside down. I thought, that's amazing. The next picture. Uh, these were my first harmonica class. Joey on the far right was also on probation, and Andy, there's Andy again, uh, on probation. And they had done such a terrific job that la- a year ago in February, I had a big Valentine's event for the police department. It was called Some Enchanted Evening. It was a date night for the police. And so the boys had done such a good job. Even though they're on probation, they're performing for the police department. <laughs> and afterwards, the chief, the fire chief, or the police chief went up and congratulated them. And the little one in the middle, uh, Rodell, he said he prays sometimes at their home. I said, well, Rodell, I'm going to have you pray for the meal. And so he got up there and he prayed. And he said, God, thank you for the food. Thank you for the people that cooked the food. And thank you for all these policemen that came to hear me play the harmonica. <laughs> But uh, next picture. And now the boys are off probation. They're off probation. Uh, We had a cooking or a um, gingerbread house making uh, thing in December. The kids loved it. And even some of the parents came to that event. So that was kind of fun because the parents are getting involved. Next picture. We also have a ukulele class. We've had three ukulele classes. Next picture. He's an awesome teacher. He's almost... All my teachers are Christians except... uh, Jason, and he's about to get born again. He's just this close. He's ready. Next picture. Oh, that's it? So we have, I have thousands of pictures, but if you ever would like to be involved in, in this part of our, our ministry, um, maybe you'd like to buy a harmonica. The harmonicas are $20. A ukulele is $30. Um, a cooking class, we usually have to, it's about $20. Uh, we have a new art class starting, and that's $15. And in two weeks, we are starting a voice class with a professional a singer that she's going to come and teach voice. But if anybody would like to just sponsor a kid and you know, buy one instrument or something, there's uh, some cards on the back table along with the, um, the brochure that you're welcome to take one of those brochures. I have several things on the back table. don't want to take too much time, but one of them is... Um, my, my book, Instructions from the Great Physician, went number one on Amazon a few months ago. And we still get so many testimonies. And we've had two people uh, with stage four cancer completely healed by following God's instructions. And one thing about God's instructions, no negative side effects. Isn't that awesome? No negative side effects. And then this quickly, this one little packet, my daily power bar for healing. It's filled with healing scriptures, but in the back I have a prayer in there. And this is how this little packet works, because you would take this prayer, and let's just say, for example, you might have, maybe you've been diagnosed with cancer or diabetes or whatever it could be, a spirit of infirmity, and you can name whatever is troubling you. Spirit of infirmity, in the name of Jesus, I pull you down from your position of authority. I break the power of assignment you have against me, for it is written. And then you find the healing scripture that really bears witness with you. It is written, and then you speak. You declare, you make a command on that scripture, and it shall all come to pass, amen, because it matters what you speak. Hallelujah. So just wanted to mention those few things to you. Is that good? Amen. Amen. So I titled my message this morning, from Matthew 19, all things are possible with God. But what it does not say is all things are automatic. 
They're not automatic, but they are possible through faith. But faith has an enemy. Fear, doubt, unbelief, anxiety, worry, that is the enemy of your faith. Time and time again, the Lord says, fear not or do not be afraid. Over 300 times it talks about that in the Bible, fear not. But fear comes. It comes from thinking on negative thoughts. It comes from when something negative happens to you and you begin to rehearse that. You begin to replay it in your mind over and over and over. How many know what I'm talking about? Something negative happens and you begin to replay that play that and then you think, oh, I wish I'd have said this and they said that and I wish I'd have said that. And you know, and we rehearse it over and over and over. And you're just building up more fear and negative thoughts and anger and resentment and self-pity. Don't go there. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take the negative thought captive. And you do it by applying what it says in Philippians. Whatsoever things are true and just and pure and lovely, if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, you think on those things. You've got it matters what you think because as a man thinketh, so is he. And what you think, that's what you're going to speak. And it matters what you say. Amen. So you take those negative thoughts captive. Don't rehearse them over and over because faith comes the same way as what you think. Think on those things that are true and just and pure and lovely. You want to feed your faith on truth. And the more you feed your faith on truth, you will develop what the Bible calls a spirit of faith. See, every person has been given faith, but there is such a thing called a spirit of faith. You know what a spirit of faith is? I like to say it like this. It's a, it's an attitude. (laughs) I refuse to be defeated. That's what a spirit of faith is. Because, you know, you've been around a lot of believers, um, and they're faithful, and they, they have, they've all been given faith. But there's a lot of Christians that still speak negative, 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 negative. They don't have a spirit of faith. A spirit of faith speaks faith Sunday through Sunday through Sunday through Sunday. Not just Sunday and then go back to the world's way Monday through Saturday and then switch over on Sunday. No. A spirit of faith, mm. I refuse to be repeated. I refuse that evil report. You see what I'm saying? It says in 2 Corinthians 4.13, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. We must get to that place where we speak from a spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says that we walk by faith, not by sight. That means we walk by the truth, not by facts. You've got to know the truth, not dwelling on the facts. You know, it says in Hebrews 11, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, we've all been given faith, but what it means is, Without using your faith, 
it's impossible to please God. You've been given faith. We are responsible to use the faith because with God, all things are possible, but they're not automatic, but they're possible when we use our faith. And one thing I love about faith, it is the most powerful possession that we have. There, it is absolutely impossible, impossible for anybody to stop you from using your faith. There's no government, no king, no queen, no president, no organization, zero person can stop you from using your faith. God put an element in faith that makes it impossible. No one can stop you. No one can stop you from coming boldly into the throne room of grace to ask for help in time of need. Nobody can stop you from praying. They can make a law you can't pray in school. Ha, try to stop me. Like, it's impossible. They can't. That is so awesome, beyond awesome, that God gave every single person a measure of faith, and it's impossible for anybody to stop them from using it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, so we are without excuse. Amen? You can't, there's no excuse. But faith, like it says in 1 Timothy 6.12, faith, you have to fight the good fight of faith. Faith has a fight to it. And that's the only fight you'll ever have to uh, fight is the fight of faith, that you don't give up, you don't get discouraged, you don't get weary. But it says in James that faith without works, this is in James 2.26, faith without works is dead. But listen to this, faith without a fight behind it does no works. Faith without works is dead. But if you don't have a, mm, a fight behind that faith, if you don't have that bulldog tenacity, you'll do no works. That's important. You know, if you were very poor, let's just say you were very, very poor, and you had no shoes to keep your feet warm, you had no shoes to protect your feet from the, the rubble and the rocks and the glass on the ground, and so I give you shoes to protect your feet. But you don't wear the shoes. You never use the shoes. Well, then the shoes are absolutely useless to you. Well, so it is with faith. God has given each one of us faith. But if we don't use the faith, it produces no results. It becomes useless. Might as well not even have it. If you're not going to use it, might as well not even have it. So you see what I'm saying? That you have to use your faith. But you've got to have that bulldog tenacity that you absolutely refuse to be defeated. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Amen. But we've got to use our faith. Now this morning, we're going to look at the life of three people. And what happened when they used their faith? And, this, and you'll know all three of these people. The first one is found in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. Uh, it's about the woman with the issue of blood. Now, this woman has been preached about for years. 
but we don't even know her name, but she is certainly a very famous person. <laughs> I'm looking forward to meeting her someday. But it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians, and she spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. But when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said... What it mattered, it mattered what she said. For she said, if only, if only I can touch the clothes of his garment, I shall be made whole. She didn't need to have eye contact. She didn't have the, need to have the anointing of oil. She didn't care if he even knew she was there. She said, if I can just touch that power, I will be made whole. And then it says, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt, remember that, she felt in her body that she was healed of that affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But when Jesus realized that power had gone out of him, it already had happened. He had nothing to do with initiating the healing. It's just like if you uh, discovered that you had a flat tire, by the time you realized you had a flat tire, it had already gone flat. Amen. So by the time Jesus realized that power had gone out of him, it had already happened. It was the woman. That's why he said, daughter, your faith made you whole. So I want to look at this story just a little bit closer. So here's this woman. She had this issue of blood for 12 years, and she suffered many things from many of those doctors. That tells me that some of these doctors put her through some painful procedures. Wouldn't you agree with that? Because she suffered many things from these doctors. And then she spent all of her money, and now she's only worse. How discouraging is that? Very discouraging. She here for 12 years, she heard one negative report after another. It's very possible that some of those doctors could have said to her, look, lady, you're just going to have to learn to live with it. Mm -hmm. Maybe those are words that you've heard. Maybe the doctor has said to you, look, you're just going to have to learn to live with those allergies. You're just going to have to learn to live with that diabetes. You're just going to have to learn to live with that chronic pain in your shoulder. You're just going to have to learn to live with it. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen? Maybe you've heard those words, but that is not truth. You need to know the truth. So what are you rehearsing in your mind? Are you rehearsing all my allergies are acting up today. Oh, my back is killing me. Have you taken ownership of some of those negative factual reports? What are you rehearsing in your mind? What are you replaying over and over and over? But when this woman heard about Jesus, she said, and what she said, it mattered. It changed everything for her. For 12 years, you know how long that is? 4,380 days she had an issue of blood. 
4,380 days, she's hearing one negative report after another. But when she heard about Jesus, she changed. She changed her focus from facts to truth. She changed her focus from facts to truth. And she realized her opportunity came that day. But after 4,380 days and issue of blood, I can guarantee you that woman was probably anemic. A lot of women here, you'd probably agree with me. She was probably anemic, weak, and frail. Yet she pushed through a crowd of people. She's probably, uh, excuse me, excuse, excuse, excuse me, sir, I'm sorry, excuse, excuse me. It could have been, because people are the same all around the world, it could have been that maybe some big dude in front of her said, Lady, stop pushing. I was here first. I've been to Disneyland with my grandchildren, and people, I'm telling you, they're pushing in the line. I see it at the airport. Well, now she's pushing through a crowd of people. Could have been. Somebody could have said, Lady, stop pushing. You get back there. I was here first. If that happened, I wonder how she would have felt. Weak and frail, and now some big person said, Stop pushing. We all want to see Jesus. I don't know. But what I do know is she had that bulldog tenacity. Hmm, she's not going to be defeated. She had a spirit of faith, and she's pushing through that crowd. In Galatians 6, 9, I think I may have gotten it out of the NIV or, or the Amplified, but it says, let us not grow weary or become, do not become discouraged in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap if you do not give up. She never gave up. She changed her thinking, once again, from facts to truth. And she responded to truth. She responded and changed her situation. Yet, how many times today do we hear? We hear we come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We hear the truth time and time and time again. But do we respond to it? You know, I've been to... I can't, I, well, I've, been to, I've preached in over 50 countries. I've been all around the world, all around America. And sometimes I'll be preaching on a Sunday, and afterwards the pastor will say, I sure wish so-and-so would have been here today. This, I mean, so-and-so should have heard this message today, but they called last night, and they weren't feeling good, so they're going to go to the clinic in the morning. They could push through to go to the clinic, but they couldn't push through to hear about the healer. Sunday after, the clinics are open. You can go on Sunday or you can come and hear the healer. But it matters what you say and it matters where you go. But you've got to press through. You've got to press through. So when she changed her thinking from facts to truth, she changed her identity. She was no longer the woman with the issue of blood. She was the woman healed of the Lord. Her identity was changed, completely changed through the words that she spoke. You see, opportunities come and they go. And we don't get to choose when they come. 
but we can choose to respond when they do come. So I love what Jesus says, all things are possible with God. And then he says, the things that are impossible with the doctor, the things that are impossible with man, is possible with God. It's forever possible if we just release our faith. Today, so many people, they'll get a negative report from the doctor, and the first thing they'll do is check out and ask Mr. Google. What does Mr. Google say? I'm telling you, the only thing Mr. Google can tell you is facts. He can only give you more facts. Jesus says you have to know the truth. The truth is what sets you free, not the facts that you get from Mr. Google. Who gives gives Mr. Google this information anyway? Don't go to the Internet and don't go to Mr. Google to research something that's going on in your body. You come to the healer. You come to the healer at all times. You have to know the truth because if you don't know the truth, it's going to be very difficult to receive truth. You have to know the truth. Now we're going to look at another individual. You'll also know this person. His name is Bartimaeus. And this we read in the Gospel of Mark, beginning in chapter 10, verse 46. And now they came to Jericho. And as he, meaning Jesus, went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road. He was begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out even all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And then it says, Jesus stood still. And he commanded Bartimaeus. And then all those people that told him to be quiet, oh, dear brother, he calleth for thee. Sounds like a lot of hypocrites, doesn't it? Be quiet. Oh, now now he's calling for you. And then it says, throwing aside his garment, he arose and he came to Jesus. Now let's look at this story a little bit closer. Here's Bartimaeus begging alongside of the road. Now he had to be on a busy road. It couldn't just be some side road. It had to be a busy road because he is there begging daily for his daily provision. So he's got to be on a road where there is a lot of traffic. You could probably even close your eyes and just see this dirt road, a lot of people walking down. Maybe there's a little boy walking his cow. There's people walking down and sandals on their feet, and with every step they take, the dust flies up. Maybe some have the long, those long garments and, and maybe a pretty turban on their head. But you can see there's just a lot of people walking down this road. And then one day they're walking down the road, and, and now blind Bartimaeus, he can't see them, but he can hear. And perhaps a couple people come over, they see him over there, and they're going to go put some coins, drop some coins in his lap but they're still having their conversation. And maybe somebody said something about Jesus. And Bartimaeus would hear them and he would say, 
Hey, come back, come back. Come. What was, did you say something about Jesus? Hey, come back. What, what did you say? Does Jesus, is Jesus of Nazareth coming this way today? How far, is he still halfway up the hill or is he close by? He doesn't know. What, they said something about Jesus. He, he heard that it was Jesus. He's got to do something. This is his opportunity. He can't let the moment pass him. He's got to do something quick, quick. He shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people don't be quiet, Bartimaeus. Kind of sounds familiar. Lady, stop pushing. <laughs> Bartimaeus, be quiet. Well, she didn't stop pushing, did she? And he didn't, he's not going to be quiet. Man, he's probably thinking, uh, who's blind here? And he shouts even louder. Praise God. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible said, Jesus stood still because he heard the sound of faith. And let me tell you, heaven, heaven stands at attention the moment it hears faith coming from our mouth. Heaven stands at attention for you and for me when we speak the words of faith because it matters what you speak. Heaven is waiting to hear your voice. And then Bartimaeus did something very, very significant. He took that garment that he had and he threw it off. Now, why was that so significant? Because in order for him to be legally a beggar on the side of the road, not so like it is in America where someone just gets an old piece of cardboard and says, God bless you, and stands on the corner. They didn't do that back then. If you wanted to be a beggar on the side of the road, you had to have permission first from the high priest. He had to acknowledge that you, had, you were blind or whatever your situation was and grant you permission to be a beggar on the side of the road. And for the public to know that you had that permission, you were given a garment. And that garment was a very specific garment, and it would let people know you had been given permission to be a beggar. In other words, that garment would represent that person's identity. When Bartimaeus took that garment and he threw it off, he was saying within himself, I'm not going to be blind anymore. And he stood up face to face with Jesus. And Jesus is Bartimaeus, your faith just made you whole. When did that faith happen? When he threw off that old identity. He changed his identity when he threw off that garment. What identity are you holding on to? What are you rehearsing in your mind? You need to throw off that negative identity. Throw off that facts. You need to change your focus from facts to truth. When he changed his focus from being blind to being healed, he received a miracle and changed his identity Like the woman with the issue of blood, no longer the woman with the issue of blood. She was the woman healed of the Lord. Bartimaeus was no longer blind Bartimaeus. He changed his identity. He was the healed 
of the Lord. It matters. It matters that we use our faith and the words that we speak. You know, it says in Proverbs 4, guard your heart above all else. You guard your heart. And what do you need to guard your heart against? Guard your heart against the facts because you're going to hear the facts over and over and over. But you must give them no place. You speak to those facts and you say, no, I pull you down from your position of authority. I break that power of assignment you have against me. Amen? Is this helping you today? You have to change your focus from facts to truth. And one way you do that, too, is you, you keep yourself built up. You need to pray in the Holy Ghost. I can't tell you how strong and how vital it is that you pray in the Holy Ghost and you build yourself up because you'll begin then. You begin to reach within for the answers. You don't reach up here. You've got to reach within because the answers are within. You live from the inside out. So you've got to be strong on the inside in order to get the victory on the outside. Amen. So critical. You need to pray in tongues in the shower, uh, driving to work, uh, cleaning out the garage, doing the laundry. You pray in tongues all the time. You've got to keep yourself strong and built up. So now we're going to look at the life of another person, and you'll also know this person. This is a lady. Her name is Mary. She's the mother of Jesus. And I want to read this to you out of the Amplified. So I want you just to listen carefully, unless you have it in the, on the Amplified. It's Luke uh, chapter 1 in verse uh, 28. But, and it says, And he came to her, and this is about the angel. The angel came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed, favored of God are you before all other women. Now the angel is speaking from the realm of of the supernatural, the realm of truth. Then Mary speaks. But when she saw him, she was greatly troubled. She was disturbed. And she was confused. Well, God is not the author of confusion, is he? Is, no, he's not the author of confusion. But now she's confused at what he said. And she kept revolving in her mind. She's rehearsing in her mind what the saying or what the greeting meant. So she's thinking from the realm of the natural. So the angel speaks again. And the angel said unto her, do not be afraid. In other words, fear not, fear not. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace with God. And then the angel said to her, listen, Listen. Now, let me tell you something or share something with you. If you were to go to a restaurant after church this afternoon or on a Friday night, the restaurant is packed with people. It's a busy time to go to the restaurant. You could close your eyes and you know it's packed because you're hearing all that noise. You're hearing people talk, 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 talk. Things are clanging around. You can, you can have your eyes closed and you know it's packed because you can hear all these voices. Amen? But when you go to sit at your table, you've turned off those voices. And you only listen to the people at your table. You're no longer hearing all the voices. You're only listening to the people at your table. 
One time I was visiting at my daughter's, and she said to my grandson before he went to school, she said, now, Matthew, do not leave your brand new jacket on the school bus when you come home. Are you listening to me? He said, yes, Mom, I heard you. She said, no, I don't want to know if you heard me. I want to know, did you listen to me? You see, there's a difference between hearing somebody talk or are you listening to what they say? The angel says, Mary, I want you to listen to what I am saying. He said, you will become pregnant and you will give birth to a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the th- his throne, uh, the throne of his forefather David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob throughout the ages. And of his reign there shall be no end. The angel is speaking from the realm of the supernatural, the realm of truth. And Mary speaks again. And she says to the angel, now how can this be? Since I know no man intimacy with anyone as a husband. Mary's talking about the facts. The angel's talking about the truth, about the supernatural. She's still focusing on the facts. So then the angel has to speak again. And this time the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the offspring which shall be born of you will be called the Son of God. And listen, Mary, your your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, a miracle. And And he is now, it is now the sixth month with her who was... Barren. Now listen to the next word of the angel. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall ever be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Now that's powerful. I'm going to say that again. For with God, nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. The angel, again, is speaking from the realm of the supernatural, the realm of truth. And now Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to what you have said. And then the angel left. Why did the angel leave? Because Mary finally came into agreement with truth. She switched her focus from facts to truth, agreed with truth, And it could have been at that very moment that it became the moment of conception. It could have been because it could not happen until she came into agreement with truth. That's why the angel had to keep talking and talking and talking. But when she said, be it unto me, then he knew. She's in agreement. His assignment was done. He left. 
but she had to come into agreement. And the same challenge that Mary went through that we often go through is that we get troubled, discouraged, confused at what we're hearing. Don't go there. Don't go there. Change your focus from facts to truth. You've got to change your identity. It's time to change. I want you to say this with me this morning. I choose this day to take off the garment that facts have put on me. I choose this day to take back my true identity. I choose this day to put on the garment of truth. I am the righteousness of God. I am the healed of the Lord. In my spirit, in my soul, in my body, in my finances, in relationships. Now don't change and go back to your old identity. It matters. It matters. You know, it takes effort. It takes effort. The Bible is it's an easy gospel, or it's a simple gospel, but sometimes things are not always so easy. But that's why we have the Holy Ghost as our helper. Do I have time to share one more testimony? Um, a number of years ago, I had just come back from one of my missionary trips to Africa, And I was there for a month doing medical clinics combined with evangelism. And so when you're doing medical clinics, especially way out in the bush, you're uh, in a very highly contaminated area. And so, of course, I'm taking the preventative for malaria. Uh, And you have to do that, and you have to get extra inoculations as well. So I'm doing all that, and at the meantime, I was very aware that I was being bitten by many mosquitoes who carry malaria. But not to worry, I am on the preventative. The day I got home, my son had picked me up at the airport. He knew I was probably going to be tired. And so he rented a movie for us to watch. And he rented the movie Chariots of Fire. And I love that phrase where it says, He who honors God will be honored by God. And we're halfway through that movie, and all of a sudden, boom. I had an instant fever of 103. I immediately applied the word of God, and I took authority over that spirit of, uh, of that fever. But I recognized the symptoms of malaria. So I took authority over that spirit of malaria. And I said, spirit of malaria, I give you no place. I pull you down from your position of authority, for it is written. And I, I spoke the word of God over that. Now, when you take your authority, let me just emphasize something to you. You take your authority over the devil, the devil's not going to say, Excuse me, Marilyn. I am so sorry. I didn't mean to bother. I didn't know you didn't want malaria. Goodness sakes, I will leave right now. No. He's not going to do that. He's going to come back over and over and over because he's just waiting to see if he can break you. He's waiting to see what level is your faith. You know, the Bible says that um, not only do we have a measure of faith, but... We have to uh, put on the, the spirit of faith. I'm, I'm, the scripture I want to say is um, in Colossians 3:16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That word richly is telling you what level to have the word of God in you. 
If it's in you on a rich level, you're going to get rich level results. But if the word is in you on a low, weak level, you're going to get low, weak results. And so when the devil keeps coming back, he's deliberately coming back to check what level is their faith. Can I break them at that medium point or are they going to reach that high level where I'm just going to have to flee? So he's going to keep coming back at you. And that's why you want to keep building yourself up. Keep building yourself up. Give no place. Give no place to weakness. So the devil came back and I was worse the next day. So now it's never a lack of faith to go to the doctor. I want to emphasize that if you're sick, it's never a lack of faith to go to the doctor. You're mixing wisdom with your faith. But you still have your faith in God. So I went to the doctor Monday morning and I said, I've got some symptoms and I know if, you can, if I can double up on the chloroquine, I can just nip it in the bud. I'll just take care of it right now. And he said, well, no, I'm not going to give you any more chloroquine because you were already on the preventative. So you don't have malaria. I said, well, I just know the symptoms, and I also know it's not harmful if I double up. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, I'll take a blood test. Maybe you're just extra tired, but we'll just do a little blood test. Now, at that point, I didn't know that he didn't know anything about malaria. Because, if you, because malaria can kill you very quickly. It destroys your liver, your kidneys, your spleen, and your blood. You, you are caused to be very nauseated. You have a very, very high fever and an excruciating migraine headache. He knew nothing. So I didn't know, but when he submitted that blood test, he did not submit it stat. In other words, he didn't request for an immediate result. He just said, oh, just whenever they have time for it. Well, I didn't know he did that. So Tuesday morning I called and said, do you have the blood test back? He said, no, no, I don't have it back yet. Well, now, Tuesday, I'm feeling worse. He said, don't call me, Marilyn. I'll call you, I'll call you when we get it. I said, well, you know, my nickel, I call. <laughs> so uh, Wednesday, the, yeah, Wednesday, I called, and I said, um, I'm, I'm feeling a lot worse today. Did you get the blood test? No, not yet. Well, then I knew he didn't uh, submit it properly. The next day, Thursday, I woke up with 104. I was exceeding 104 temperature. I called him up. I said, I am burning up. What can I do? He said, take a cold shower. I said, well, I knew that part. I knew that part. <laughs> he said, well, then don't worry about it. You don't have malaria, not to worry. You're probably thinking, stupid, stupid, stupid. But you know, when you start running a high fever, you don't think clearly. You just don't think clearly. And um, I'm single. I didn't have anybody else, you know, really taking care of me or anything. And uh, so the next day, I woke up the fifth day. My whole body was swollen, turned yellow. The whites of my eyes were yellow. Inside of my mouth was yellow. I am burning up with fever. I am sick. I called my friend. I says, come and get me to the doctor. Immediately. I, I couldn't even, I said, I can't drive. Get me to the doctor. I got there. I walked in. I looked like probably like a little bumblebee because I'm all swollen and yellow. And, <laughs> and then there were two nurses there. And the one said to the other nurse, Get her out of here before she scares people. I thought, well, thank you very much. They said, she looks a wreck. So they rushed me in so I wouldn't scare the other patients. I mean, I did look bad. I mean, all swollen and yellow. And, and um, the doctor came in right away and he said, oh, my goodness, you are really yellow. I wonder, maybe you've got hepatitis. Hepatitis. 
But we don't know. We don't have any blood tests back. So not to worry, not to worry. You just go back home. I went home, and my friend didn't have enough sense to take me to the hospital. So she just, oh, I'll just take you home, Marilyn. The next morning, I got a phone call very early in the morning, and it was the doctor. He said, Marilyn, I'm uh, sending an ambulance to your house because not only do you have malaria, you have double malaria. You have two different forms at the same time. I've already contacted a disease specialist, and he already saw your blood test, which was taken over five days ago. And he said at that point it was already the worst he'd ever seen. I got to the hospital and the disease specialist said, Marilyn, very sorry to tell you, but um, you now need to take quinine. Chloroquine ain't going to do you any good anymore. You now need quinine and we don't have any. And this is before the internet. He said, I already have a staff of people calling every hospital we can call to find quinine. It took over a day to find quinine. He said, we'll take you, make you as comfortable as possible. And some of the other things he said to me, I could tell he had words with the other doctor. And um, I was in the hospital on quinine. Once they got it, I was on quinine for three days. And I myself could tell it wasn't working. Now, this whole time, I'm taking authority over the spirit of malaria. And I'm also decreeing, I will live and not die. I will live and not die. It matters what you say. And after the third day, well, they, had, uh, they had medical students come in my room to observe me because they'd never had... I was the first patient they ever had in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with anybody that had malaria. So they had medical students coming in taking notes, watching me get sick. Not one of them offered to give me a tissue. Not one of them offered me a glass of water. Not one of them even called, called the nurse and say, uh, she soiled her garment. They're just busy taking notes. I didn't, like, I didn't like them in there watching me. The doctor came in after the third day. The disease specialist came in and he said, Marilyn, um, I'm very, very sorry to tell you this. But, and he was very gracious, but he said, you are dying. You should have been treated a lot earlier. And by the time I saw you, it was just, it's just too late. He said, I know you are a Christian. And if you know anybody that prays, prayer is your only hope. Now, when you're almost to that point of death, you're very weak. You don't have much volume. I was just in a slight whisper, and I wanted to tell them I do, and they are. I, I said, I, I, I don't think you even heard me say I do, and they are. Before I went to the hospital, I had requested prayer. I didn't need prayer from a billion people. I, I just need somebody, just somebody agree with me. But I want you to pray the prayer in the, in, of the Apostle Paul in chapter 3, that I would be strengthened in might by my spirit in the inner man, by God's spirit in the inner man. Because I knew if I'm strong on the inside... I will fight the good fight of faith, and I will get victory on the outside. Just pray for my inner strength. And when I left for the hospital, I grabbed my toothbrush, and then I grabbed my cassette player 
with uh, Brother Hagen. How many have heard of Brother Hagen? With Brother Hagen's healing scriptures. I told the nurse, I don't care if I'm asleep or I'm awake. I want you to just keep playing those healing scriptures. I've got to hear the word over because my spirit doesn't sleep. My body might sleep, but my spirit is wide awake. I want, you, I want to hear those, um, those scriptures. And I thought to myself, God did not heal me of cancer so I could die of malaria. I give, no, this, makes, this does not compute with me. I will live. I will not die. I am focusing on truth. I'm not going to focus on the facts. I'm going to focus on truth. Um, the doctor said, if you want to say goodbye to your family, you need to call them now, not this afternoon. He said, Marilyn, do you understand what I'm saying? He actually picked up the phone and put it to my side. You need to say goodbye now, not this afternoon. And again, I thought, no. God didn't heal me of cancer so I could die of malaria. And I, I fell asleep. And I woke up about, I don't know, it was in the middle of the night. It was dark in my room. And I woke up, and my first thought was, I'm still alive. <laughs> I did. I thought, oh, I am still here. <laughs> and I thought, the devil is going to see me sitting up. And I took a hold of the support bars on the side of my bed. And I'm telling you, it took up all the energy I could muster up. But I began to pull, and I pulled, and I pulled until I was in an upright position. And then, in the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I did the same thing I did. Nothing different, just the same thing. I took authority over that spirit of malaria, and I said, I will live and not die. At that moment, just like the woman with the issue of blood, when it says she felt in her body, she was healed. At that moment, I just felt it. I felt in my body I was just healed of malaria. And I collapsed back in bed from exhaustion, from sitting up. But I want to say something. Victory is never determined by the volume of your shout because I had no volume. It came from here, not here. It came from here. And I want to tell you, it is so critical. The doctor was surprised to see me the next morning fever gone. I, I'm ready to go home. He said, uh, I'd like those medical students to come back. <laughs> he said, if you could just hang out for a little while. I said, okay, let them let come back, you know. But um, I just want to tell you that it is so critical that you change your focus from facts to truth. You've got to know the truth, and you've got to focus on the truth. That is what it matters, it matters, it matters what you say. Amen. So I want to just encourage you, if I can, um, uh, it it takes effort. It really takes effort because it comes from that spirit of faith. You know, when Jesus, Jesus always went alone to pray to the Father. He liked to be alone and he liked to go up to the mountains to pray. But one time in the gospel, it says uh, that one day Jesus invited Peter, James, and John to go with him to a high mountain. Well, now Jesus is a mountain climber. This is a piece of cake for him to go to a high mountain. Peter, James, and John, they're fishermen. They're probably halfway up that mountain, huffing and a-puffing. Peter probably said, Jesus, are we almost there yet? But when they got to the top of that mountain and they witnessed the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't you know, it was worth 
all the effort it took. You see, things happen on the mountaintop that just don't happen in the valley below. You've got to have that bulldog tenacity. You've got to be willing to fight the good fight of faith. You've got to develop that spirit of faith. It's not just having faith. It's having a spirit of faith which you absolutely refuse to be defeated. Does that help you this morning? Father, I pray that your word takes deep root into each and every heart this morning. Lord, that they'll never be the same. I just release a hunger within them to build themselves up and develop that attitude of absolutely refusing to be defeated. Father, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. We worship your holy name. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. You know, if there be anybody here this morning before, uh, as we're closing, if there's anybody here and you don't know Jesus, you have never asked Jesus to come into your life, you don't have that power within you. You don't have the power of the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you to giving you that bulldog tenacity to fight. It's, it's the easiest prayer that you can ever pray. All you have to do is believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross and he rose again from the dead for you. And if you believe that and ask him to come into your life, you are guaranteed two things. One, you are guaranteed that when you leave this earth, you will reign in heaven with the Father God forever and ever and ever. But then the second thing you are guaranteed, that the Spirit of God will come and live within you every breathing moment that you are on this earth. He will be in you to strengthen you and to help you. All you have to do is believe and ask him to come into your life. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. And if that's you here this morning, you've never prayed that prayer, but you don't, and you don't know what would happen to you if you were to die tonight. I want to encourage you to pray that prayer right now. If there's anybody here you'd like to pray that prayer, I just want, no one's looking around but me, just raise your hand. Anybody at all? Or maybe you've prayed that prayer and you've just drifted away, but the Holy Spirit is just wooing you. Is there anybody here that you would just say, Marilyn, pray for me today. I want to know that I know that I know that when I leave this earth, I'm going to go to heaven. Anybody at all? Everybody here is saved? You know, let's just pray that prayer together. Let's just pray it afresh. And if you've never prayed that prayer, I want you to pray it with all your heart and then, and then tell somebody today. But let's just say this together. Dear God, I do believe that Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross for me. I ask you to come into my heart today. I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins, of my weaknesses, and fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. And I give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly Faith Communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, 
not by sight.